1 Peter 1.13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who is without partiality, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your sojourning here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which the, by which the gospel, the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Thus far the reading of God's word. May he add his blessing to it. Beloved of the Lord, my purpose this morning is to encourage you in the pursuit of holiness. And to that end, I direct you to our text, which is verse 16. Be holy because I am holy. The author of the book of Hebrews says, without holiness, no one will see God. Well, the pursuit of holiness is a very difficult matter, in part because the more holy you become, the less holy you appear to yourself. That is, the closer you uh, come to the light of God, the more his light reveals uh, the blackness and the darkness of our hearts and souls. And so it can sometimes be discouraging to pursue holiness. But that is our goal today, is to uh, encourage you and to encourage myself in the pursuit of holiness, because I don't stand before you as one who has uh, mastered this subject But I preach this for my own benefit as well, because I too need to be encouraged in the pursuit of holiness. You may have noticed uh, when you saw verse 16 in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 that it was uh, introduced by the phrase, as it is written, and then uh, then it's in italics to show that it's a quote from uh, the Old Testament. In my Bible, there are two references there, both to the book of Leviticus, but In actuality, there could be three more references. This uh, commandment, be holy for I am holy, those exact words are are found five times in the Old Testament, all in the book of Leviticus, uh, which also talks about uh, all sorts of other holy things, but especially the fact that you and I are commanded to be holy because God is holy. Now, to understand this command and to uh, uh, see how it applies to our life, I want to deal first with its context. 
to whom is to whom is it addressed? And then uh, its meaning, that is, what does it mean for God to be holy and what does it mean for us to be holy? And then thirdly, uh, the implementation of the command, that is, how can we become uh, holy? First of all, then, what is the context of the command? Well, the context is quite clear that this deals with the sanctification of believers, not the justification of of sinners. We see that because Peter's letter uh, that we didn't we didn't read the first part of the chapter, but had we read the first part of chapter one, we would have seen that it's uh, addressed to the church, to God's elect who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, who have been sanctified by Jesus and sprinkled with his blood. Uh, he gives thanks uh, for them and for the new birth that they have received. He gives thanks for the, the faith that they have uh, Achieved and that has resulted in the salvation of their souls. And so he's writing to those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have the assurance that their sins are forgiven, who stand justified in the sight of God, but uh, uh, who now are entering upon a life of growth in faith and uh, a life of sanctification. It's uh, to them that he says, be holy as the Lord your God is uh, holy. And... Uh, uh, so this is, is not about uh, how to obtain salvation, but rather how to respond to have, having received it. Uh, you know, and that's uh, this commandment is just like uh, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, too, were, were given at Sinai to a people who were already set free from bondage, who were already the blood-bought people of God. Uh, it's uh, the law comes as instruction on uh, to God's people, God's redeemed people on how they ought to live. And it's to the redeemed people of God that Peter says, uh, repeating the command from the Old Testament, uh, be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Our uh, legal status before God is the matter of justification and our legal status is that of righteous We are righteous in his sight because of the perfect righteousness and satisfaction of Christ being attributed to us. But our spiritual condition remains uh, corrupt. Uh, We still have an evil nature, even though we've been given a new nature, there is still an evil nature in us. And and so this commandment is designed to to bring our spiritual condition in line with our legal status. Our legal status is righteous. But our spiritual condition is uh, uh, corrupt and therefore we're struggling to bring uh, the spiritual condition in line with our legal status. Uh, We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because Christ is at work in us. Currently we are being renewed inwardly uh, and... uh, the process will be completed when Christ comes again and our bodies also are made perfect and well. Uh, the, uh, the context means, uh, uh, the context makes clear that this commandment is motivated by, by love and gratitude. We obey this not in fear of going to hell, fear of the wrath of God, but we obey this commandment in love and gratitude for what the Lord has already done for us. Uh, 
Now, that's, that's its context. It's about sanctification. It's about the life of the believer. It's about uh, bringing our lives in conformity to our legal status before God and obtaining the, the goal of uh, being able to be in the presence of God. You know, when we became sinners, we were expelled from the presence of God. And, and all of holy history is about bringing us back to God, bringing us back into his presence and into his uh, fellowship. And uh, uh, in order for that to happen, we have to be made holy before him. Now, what does it mean to be holy? Well, to understand the command, we must first understand that uh, this is one of the most frequent adjectives used of God. Uh, uh, We read in the call to worship, Psalm 99, three times. Uh, for he is holy, 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 holy. He is holy. He is holy. The Lord God is holy, says the psalmist in Psalm 99. Uh, Isaiah 6, verse 3. Isaiah hears the seraphim uh, calling out to each other, uh, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And uh, in Revelation chapter 4, uh, John has a similar experience where he sees the Uh, In a vision, the four living creatures around the throne of God, and each is saying, holy, holy, holy. Uh, The the Bible is full of of references to the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel. Your Redeemer is the Holy One. God says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, and uh, I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. The disciples say of Jesus, we believed and have come to know you are the Holy One of God. I could go on with many other verses like that, that there is, uh, there is no one holy like the Lord, or you alone are holy, or who is like you, majestic in holiness. His name is holy, and holy and awesome is his name. Holiness is not just one of God's attributes, but it is the, the result of the sum total of all his attributes. It's his most distinguishing feature. All his attributes are together what make him a holy God. But now, what exactly does that word mean? What does the word holy mean? Well, in its, its basic, most basic meaning, it means separate or set apart or separated. It implies that something has been set apart or separated from that which is common and ordinary and set apart for a special purpose. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, God says to the Israelites, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common. There are holy things and there are common things, ordinary things. And the the holy things are set apart. And you must learn to distinguish about that. And the whole book of Leviticus is about uh, what's holy and what's not holy. For example, uh, in one place, uh, God gives instruction about making a special anointing oil which is only to be used on the Levitical priests and on articles of furniture in the temple when they anoint with holy oil. And uh, it says there, And you shall say to the people of Israel, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. And you shall make no other like it in its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts it on any outsider shall be cut off from my people. 
Now, oil is not something that can obey the Ten Commandments. You know, oil, uh, we don't speak of oil being righteous. Uh, that's often what we think of when we think of the word holy. Uh, holy means to be good, right? Well, they're connected uh, ultimately, but that's not the basic idea. The basic idea is this is something which in and of itself uh, is neither good nor bad, but God has designated it as, as belonging to him for special purposes. He sets it apart. And so uh, uh, Israel also is called a, a holy nation. God says, you know, the, the whole world is mine, and all the nations, they belong to me, but I, I've set Israel apart. Israel is separate. It's, it serves a special purpose. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests to the rest of the world. You know, I, I've set you apart for the high and holy calling, the separate calling to, to be priests to the world. Of course, Peter in his epistle says the exact same thing about the church of Jesus Christ today. Not not the nation Israel, but now uh, uh, you, the people of God, are a chosen race, uh, a holy nation, uh, that you may declare the wonders of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, God has his special people, his holy people, who are set apart for a special purpose. Well, how is God separate? How is God holy? Well, he's holy with regard to his person, and he's holy with regard to his activity. With regard to his person, he is he's separate, he's, he's different, he's set apart because he's, he's eternal, he's incomprehensible, he's invisible, he's immutable, he's infinite, he's almighty, he's, he's perfectly wise, he transcends all things, he's above all things. He's above all things not just by a matter of degree, as if he's the, the strongest person in the room, you know. Uh, rather, he's all power. Any power that exists in the world, including the power in your arms and legs, is his power. That's how powerful he is. And he, he's not just the smartest person in the room. He knows everything because he has ordained everything. He's created all knowledge. Uh, that's how he is uh, set apart from us. Uh, God's glory is... Uh, is not like the glory of creation. The creation is glorious, but it's always a reflected glory. It, it shows forth the glory of its creator. But God's glory is original with him. It's not a reflection from something higher or better. It originates in himself, and uh, uh, he is uh, autonomous in his uh, glory. Uh, uh, he is uh, incomprehensible. Uh, he's beyond our ability to fully comprehend. We have we have true knowledge of God, but we will never have exhaustive knowledge of God because he's just too too infinite, and and we're finite and limited, and always will be because we're creatures. Uh, and so he is set apart with respect to his being because he's he's a kind of being that is totally different. He's the totally other, and it's important for us to understand that because. Then the wonder of his condescending, uh, coming down to us is all the more glorious. This, this totally other God who is so high and lifted up and dwells in unapproachable light, whose ways are not our ways and whose thoughts are not our ways. This God has come down and he's come near and he's, he's actually become one of us and walked among us. You know, it would be, uh, uh, a great, uh, act of uh, benevolent uh, condensation if uh, 
King uh, William Alexander of the Netherlands would come and, and visit Pella, Iowa uh, during uh, Pelop's uh, tulip time. Uh, the king of the Netherlands come to uh, see our Dutch celebration. Uh, that would be a, a great honor that he would uh, come down and come near to us uh, uh, lowly uh, people of Pella, Iowa. Uh, we don't uh, deserve the presence of, of royalty like that. But if he were to do that, we would say, what, what a benevolent, uh, kind act that is that he would do that. But that's nothing. That, that's doesn't even compare to the idea that Almighty God comes down and is born of a virgin and laid in a manger and lived uh, on this earth as one of us uh, to uh, take upon himself our guilt and uh, suffer and die in our place. We can never fully comprehend how God uh, comes down and comes uh, near to us. Uh, so he, he's, he's holy in his person, uh, but he's also holy in his activity, in that he only does good. Uh, the psalmist says it in Psalm 119, you are good and you do good. Uh, you are good and you do good. John says in his epistle, God is light and in him is no darkness of all. And the Apostle James says God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Uh, Habakkuk says you are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Because of this, God can have no fellowship with the wicked. Uh, before God came down on Mount Sinai, Moses had to instruct the people to uh, Consecrate themselves, literally make yourselves holy or sanctify yourselves. Joshua gave the same command as they were about to cross over the Jordan River. He said, God's going to come and show himself among you. And so you need to sanctify yourselves. You need to make yourselves holy because God can't come to a sinful people. Uh, the purpose of the temple and all the temple sacrifices was to make the people of God uh, uh, sinless in the sight of God, to atone for their sins and cover them so that God could come near and come close to them. And because of that, the temple had to be made of pure gold and the, the animals brought for sacrifice had to be without spot or blemish because God can have nothing to do with anything that is imperfect or less than uh, than perfect uh, when uh, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin, then and only then can we have fellowship with God because God is, is separate from everything that is sinful. And the only way we can come together is if our sin is removed. And uh, that's why it says without holiness, no one will see God. Uh, we have to be made holy, not just uh, legally righteous, but uh, we need to be made holy as well, separate from sin in every way. So that's what it means for God to be holy. He's holy with respect to his person in that he's high and lifted up and that he's uh, eternal and all glorious and so forth. And he's uh, holy with respect to the fact that he is perfectly good and can have no fellowship with, with sinners. What does it mean for us to be holy? Well, again, it, it has the same two references. For us to be holy, it means to be holy with respect to who we are and what we are as well as uh, what we do uh, with respect to uh, being set apart from uh, the rest of creation. Human beings are holy in that we are created in the image of God. That that sets us apart from the rest of creation. You know, uh, 
uh, we can, uh, without guilt and without uh, uh, sin, uh, kill animals and uh, kill plants and uh, eat them. But we cannot, without guilt, uh, unlawfully take uh, human life. Human life is created in the image of God, and that sets human life apart. It, it sets us apart and uh, for holy service unto God. And because of that, human life is special. It's, it's holy. We're holy with respect to our being. But the second aspect of holiness means uh, uh, we are to uh, live a certain way. Uh, and that's one of our main concerns uh, today, that, that we would live holy lives. Uh, Peter uh, says in our text here, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to former lusts as in your ignorance. And then, uh, uh, so the holy life is distinguished from that, uh, the former lusts that we used to walk in. Also, the holy life is distinguished from the, uh, the corruptible things of uh, silver and gold and from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Uh, holy life calls us away from that. Uh, Paul writes, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Rather, we are being taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and its corrupt uh, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul writes in Second Corinthians six, uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. And then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Of course, this doesn't mean that we're to hide from the world and uh, live in cloisters or monasteries. Uh, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to let our light shine before the world, which means that uh, we, we live uh, in their presence, but we do not join with them in the life of dissipation and the empty and meaningless life and uh, the life of lusts of the flesh and the pride of life and so forth. Uh, God has uh, called you to to be separate in your, uh, to recognize that you are separate because you're created in the image of God. You're also separate in that you are the temple of the living God that makes you uh, special and sets you apart. But also in your conduct, you are to live lives that uh, show forth his glory. Uh, and uh, living a life that uh, a holy life is not just uh, turning away from evil, but it is also turning to God. We're created to, to know him, to love him, to serve him, and uh, to be with him forever. Just as the, uh, the articles of the temple, like the holy oil and the furniture and the pots and pans, were to be only used in the service of God and not be taken home by the Levites to use in their ordinary household living. Uh, so you are the people of God. And your lives are to be offered up as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, whatever you do, 
in word or deed, says Paul in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father for him, through him. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's holiness. A life set apart for the service of God. Uh, it uh, it means to uh, to be like the Father in compassionate love. It means to be like the Son in submission to the will of the Father. It means to be like the Spirit who reveals the mind of God. We too are uh, trying to think God's thoughts after Him and bring every thought captive uh, to His Word. Uh, so this is what it means to be holy. God is holy in His person. God is holy in His activity. We are holy in who we are, and we are to be holy in our activity. Now, how? How can we put this into effect? Well, here's where some preachers might say, you know, if you want to be more holy, this is what you have to do. You need to uh, read your Bible and pray every day. And I don't mean to uh, disparage that idea. That's a great uh, uh, way to become holy. But that's not what I want to put before you today. I want to put before you today something a little different. I want to say that if you're to pursue holiness, you need to join and unite with Christ's church. You need to join and unite with Christ's church, as we've seen some young people do today and a couple of weeks ago two others did. Uh, you need to become living members of the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, We are a group who are tied together the way the parts of the body are joined together. And if we're to grow in holiness, we need to recognize that bodies don't grow unless they all grow together. Imagine if your physical body were such that it was afflicted with a, a disease that caused one leg to remain the same size as it was when you were born while the other leg grows normally. That would be grotesque. And if that were to happen, if, if somebody were to have some kind of disease like that, we would say, yes, it is a disease. It is, is a horrible disease if one part of the body uh, doesn't grow and the other parts uh, do grow. Uh, that's not normal. That's not the way it's supposed to be. The way it's supposed to be is that the whole body grows together. And in fact, you know, if if you wake up one morning and say, you know, I think my hand needs uh, some more nutrition. I, I, maybe my nails are lacking in uh, the proper nutrients to make them hard. And so I, I need to, to feed my hand. Well, whatever food you would he- feed to your hand to make your nails harder, you, you don't put it into your hand. You put it into your stomach. <laughs> You know, it has to go into your mouth, and from your mouth it has to go to your other organs, and from the other organs into the blood, and, and the food goes to the whole body, and the whole body benefits. And the only way for your nails to get harder is, is for your whole body to, to grow and to thrive. Well, so it is with the body of Christ. If any individual member is to grow, then the whole body has to grow together. We need each other. We need each other. We're not going to grow in holiness unless we grow together. God has given us uh, gifts 
to make us grow together in holiness. We read about it in Ephesians 4. He, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice how he says that the gifts are given to the church. They're not given to you individually. The gifts are given to the church so that the whole body joined together may grow together make it and build itself up in love so that each part, when it is working properly, makes the whole body grow. We need each other. Uh, you know, if, if I had uh, taken a different tack today and said uh, the path to holiness is read your Bible and pray every day, one of the, one of the texts that I might have gone to was uh, Colossians 1.16, which says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you want to grow in holiness, get into the word. But notice that in that verse in Colossians uh, 3.16, he says, as you teach and admonish one another. He's saying, get into the word together and, it, and teach and admonish one another together. Be together. We're to join and unite with the church. I don't mean merely attend church. I mean become living members of the church. You know, we confess together in the Belgic Confession, Article 28, uh, concerning the Church of Jesus Christ. We say that there, we believe that since this holy assembly and congregation is the gathering of those who are saved and there is no salvation apart from it, no one ought to withdraw from it, content to be by himself, regardless of his status or condition. But all people are obliged to join and unite with it keeping the unity of the church by submitting to its, its instruction and discipline, by bending their necks under the yoke of Jesus Christ, by serving to build up one another according to the gifts of God as given to them as members each of, another, of the other in the same body. Uh, we're to take the yoke of Christ. You know, a yoke is a, a thing that's put around the neck of two animals to make them work as a team. And the yoke of Christ is that we work together as a team, that we might be doing the work that God has given us to do. Everyone is duty-bound to join and unite, to become a living member. That means get involved in the mission of the church. Not just church attendance, but using your gifts to, to enable the church to, to fulfill its mission. The mission of the church, of course, is to uh, make disciples of uh, all nations, uh, teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you, uh, baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, not all of you are called to preach. Not all of you are called to baptize. Uh, not all of you are uh, called to, to be elders or deacons or whatever. But 
Every one of you has a gift from God that contributes to the life of the church that enables the church as a group to fulfill its mission in the world. And unless every member is doing their part, the body can't grow and mature. Growth in holiness is not how we obtain God's favor. Growth in holiness is not how we stay in God's favor. We gain his favor by grace. We stay in his favor by grace. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, but we're saved for holiness. We're saved in order to become holy so that we might be brought back into the presence of God. And in order for you to become holy, you need the church. You need to be a living member of the church. You need to be part of it. You can't hold it at a distance. You know, one of the greatest obstacles to holiness is selfishness, self-love, independence, uh, an independent spirit. You know, a young man might say, you know, if I get married, I can't just do what I want anymore. And he's right. Uh, the Bible says, submit to one another in marriage. And, and marriage is a, is a sanctifying influence on young men and young women and old men and old women too. It's a sanctifying influence because it, it teaches you not to live for yourself. You become part of a group where, where the, the interests and the well-being of other members of the group are more important than yours. That's, that's what you pledge yourself to when you take your marriage vows. But the same is true with regard to the church. The church is a group. And when you become part of a group, then you learn to submit to the group. You learn to say no to selfish desires and self-interest and selfishness and, and uh, uh, rugged individualism. And you say, no, God has called me to submit, to submit to the yoke of Christ so that I can pull together with other people. And together we might be built up. Together we might become mature. Together we won't be tossed to and fro like uh, children by every wind of doctrine. But together we will attain maturity and the full stature of Jesus Christ in all his holiness. Join and unite with the church. That's what Christ has saved you for. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the church of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we are called to be members of it. Help us to be living members of the church, to join and unite with it and to become involved in the mission of the church.